Hello, my name is Kristen and I am obsessed with all things play-based and child-led learning. Truly obsessed. I am here to help you navigate the messy and the magical on your journey to a play-based program. It is truly magical on the other side and I want you to feel each day what I feel when I walk into my classroom. I am the homeschool mama to four. I'm the founder of a play and nature-based preschool and forest school and I am here to cheer you on. I'm ready. Are you ready? Let's get going. This episode is kind of a continuation on the last episode, which is about uh, society's rule about that we have to sit to learn. But in all actuality, we have to move to learn. And I received a question on Instagram and I wanted to address it with some tips and tricks and some maybe some thought provoking questions to get people thinking about what their indoor classroom environment looks like and it's if it is in fact supportive of movement. So here's a question. Um, looking for help on what to do when preschoolers just want to run and scream and it's too gold, cold to go outside. One of her co-teachers has said if they won't use walking feet and inside voices they have to sit out of activities. Then she continues on to say, we have a large gym space, but if I do running activities, I feel they are they just get more amped up when we go back to class. So first, if you haven't listened to the last episode, go back and listen now. Uh, it'll help you kind of understand why we need to move to learn. But in this episode, I'm going to kind of break it down, and I have maybe about five to six different thoughts. So my first thought is, one, what is the setup of your indoor classroom? Is your indoor classroom set up to support all types of body movement because as the last episode you saw you heard that we have to move to learn so it's very developmentally not appropriate to expect children sit to learn so in your classroom we have to make sure that you have yes spaces we have to make sure if you have the room for it that there is a place dedicated for that large body movement So in my classroom, we have a pretty large classroom, but we also have quite a few kiddos in our classroom, but we have some designated spaces for that large body movement. It changes kind of based on the setup of the room, but a lot of times if children want to do that large body movement, we say you have to go over on the leaf rug and you can play that game over there. Or if you want to run, there is a space over on that end of the classroom that you can run over there. You can run on the leaf rug. You can run on the black rugs. And that is the designated space for running. Because, yes, running it throughout the whole entire classroom, it can be hazardous. There can be, you know, a million toys all over the ground, loose parts rolling all over, marbles on the floor, other kiddos in the way. And In our program, there's three rules that we kind of go by. It's okay if it's not hurting you. It's okay if it's not hurting our room. And it's okay if it's not hurting anything uh, or yourself. Sorry, it's yourself, your friends, or your classmates, anybody, and our space. 
we like to say yes to big body movement, but it happens in a particular area. So you could, if you have like an in-home program, you could set up a little corner where maybe the, the couch is and put some mats down on the floor and they can launch themselves off the couch. Um, try to find a way to say yes to the big body movement in the classroom. A, a way to say yes to the, the needs of these kiddos who need to move because that is developmentally appropriate. If you don't have the space or if you don't have that place for the or the time for those kids to get those things out, then in all actuality, your program, your classroom is not set up completely developmentally appropriate for this type of play. So we need to reorganize and make a space for that large body movement because it's just as important as fine motor. So if you don't have a space in your classroom for large body movement, figure out how you can make a space for that large body movement. Number two, when you all of a sudden like haven't allowed all of this space or time or the ability for kids to run and scream and jump, it will be a novelty if you start to allow this type of play in the classroom, if you say yes to this type of play in the classroom, it will be a novelty for a while. And when everything, when anything is a novelty, people have to go overboard. Children have to go big or go home in order to fully experience and settle into those experiences. So it's just like anything. If there's a new toy in the classroom and it all of a sudden becomes coveted by all the children it's the same thing with big body play or anything that you add into the classroom that isn't normally allowed and normally there hasn't been a space for so things will be crazy so if you all of a sudden change up your classroom rules and you allow for that running in the movement they will go crazy but and our our knee-jerk reaction is to tell them to stop like put an end to this this is dangerous Get overwhelmed and then never, ever let it happen again. But if you can get past that crazy and you can just get yourself in a mind space that you, you're you going to have to put up with some loud and you're going to have to put up with, and not even put up, you're going to have to support loud and you're going to have to support big body movement and you're going to have to be able to support them when they come back down from that and when you need them to calm down, it, it's a work. It's work. You're going to have to put in some work if you really want to give this these children this developmentally appropriate experience in your classroom. So it's going to be work. That's number two. Number three, if you can't allow space in your classroom – for if like if your space if your classroom doesn't have the space for this type of large movement because there are some classrooms that are small then consider allowing the children to go to the large motor room when needed so if you can set up your schedule maybe the large motor room becomes a community area for lots of different classrooms and children and maybe one teacher can say hey I see Tommy and Sally and Julio and Juan and Jeremiah need to they need to move 
I'm going to take them down to the large motor room and join so-and-so's class who might be down there. And we're going to let them run off some steam. We're going to let them do this large body movement, movement because I see that that's what they're needing. I see that their body is telling me that they need to move. So I am going to listen to what they are telling me and I'm going to meet their needs by taking them down to the large motor room. So that's, that's another thing that you can do. If you don't have full access to a large motor room whenever you need it, this is number four. Last one was number three. Number four, if you don't have full access to that large motor room, consider extending your time in the large motor room. So if you have the capability to give them more time, they need it. Chances are if the majority of the kids are super amped up when you come back from that large motor room, they are not getting enough time in that large motor room. So if you can extend the time, that is what you need to do next. Extend the time, let them have longer. If they're getting 10 minutes in the larger motor room, that's probably not enough for many children if they are not allowed to move like that in the classroom. Try half an hour. Try 45 minutes. Try an hour. Because chances are, if you can extend that, they will be tired and they won't be amped up when they get back to the classroom because they got it all out. (sighs) I get fired up about these things. (laughs) Number five, chances are that if there are a handful of children that are hard to bring down after their time in the large motor room or doing big body movement, it's potentially the makeup of their brain that can cause them to get overstimulated and then they can't shut their bodies off and they can't shut their brains off. So in that case, I would definitely provide some sort of a fidget or um, you can put like a big band around the legs of their chair if you go directly to lunch or whatever that may look like so they have something to bounce their legs on. You could give them a weighted vest or a weighted blanket to put over their lap. A wobble seat definitely helps some of these kiddos to be able to get their energy out and calm them down in a safe way that's safe for them and that's safe for others. So there will be kids that are harder to bring down. The last thing is um, I am the founder of director of a nature-based preschool and many times in nature-based realms the saying there's no such thing as bad weather only bad clothing or poor clothing choices um and that is thrown around a lot everywhere to make it known that we need to dress children appropriately to go outside however we live in minnesota and i know the person who lives who has this question is from manitoba canada and it gets very cold there too And there are days where it is very unsafe to take kids outside unless we have like full face coverings and goggles. And even then, it's only you can only get out for a certain amount of time. And a lot of programs like in Minnesota or in Canada who have the opportunity or the ability to like put these goggles on these kiddos' faces to protect their eyes from the bitter cold. Chances are they may have like an outdoor fireplace or a wood stove inside a tent to go inside to warm up. So I just wanted to, to kind of close this very short podcast with sometimes we can't get outside. There are times when we can't get outside in Minnesota because it's just unsafe for the, the children's ages and for 
the the space that we have and so I understand that I get that um but that being said there are a few things you can do that we have done and yes it's dressing children appropriately and making sure that their parents know when they enroll there in your program that you will be going outside in the extreme cold and they need to dress in layers and have all the things to keep their bodies warm when outside. But another thing that we have done that works well is when it is safe to go outside and your skin doesn't freeze within four minutes, um, we go outside, spend our five to ten minutes outside, come inside, sit on the rug, read a story, leave all of your snow pants and gear on, Go back outside, run around again for five to ten minutes, go back inside, maybe read another story or do a song and dance, go back outside. So it's an in-out, in-out type of a thing. It's exhausting, but exhausting can be good. So um, they're getting their big body movement out, that's for sure, especially wearing all of that snow gear. So there you go. Recap. Number one. Is your indoor classroom set up as a yes environment? How can you provide the correct, the a de, not correct, a developmentally appropriate environment for children to be able to run, move, and jump? Number two, it will be a novelty for a bit if you decide to allow space for this type of movement in your indoor classroom. So just know and plan ahead and be in the right mental space to be able to provide this opportunity for kids. Three, if you can't allow space in your classroom for that movement, then take them to the large motor room when they need it, not just at the scheduled part of the day. Four, if you can't go to the large motor room whenever you need it, then extend your time in the large motor room. And number five, some kids' brains makeup are just, they are wired and it will be hard to settle down an overstimulated child. So provide something for them when they get back to the classroom to help them calm down a little bit. So those are my five tips. I hope you found this helpful. If you did, please leave a five-star rating. Write a review. I love reviews. I love reading them. Send me a send me a note on Instagram. I just joined TikTok. If you have followed me on Instagram or Facebook, you've maybe seen my Ms. Debbie videos or the That's Not Developmentally Appropriate Hotline videos. Uh, we're going to flood TikTok with Ms. Debbie. So um, go on over to TikTok and give Learning Wild a follow. And we'll listen to you next time. We'll fill your ear holes next time with some more, um, more in the series of society's rules that we need to fix in early childhood education. All right. Thanks for listening. Hey, I need you to do me a huge, 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 huge favor. If you liked listening and you want to be able to hear more, can you please go on to iTunes and leave me a five-star review? I would so appreciate it. And then connect with me on Instagram. It's learning.wild. We'll see you around.